Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together. Thank you so much, uh, Jeff, uh, for your kind words again. Um, I'll walk backwards today. Um, I'll say the benediction in terms of uh, how blessed I've been with you. And uh, I pray for God's presence upon your lives. I pray for God's healing upon your lives and not only your lives, but your loved ones' lives. And I pray that God would uh, increase your tent, much as maybe a small tent, it's a powerful tent because you're in it with God. And I pray for his kindness, his blessings um, in all that you do. Uh, whatever that your hands uh, will set to work, may the Lord increase in a bountiful way. May God enrich your lives. May God give you, above all things, a strong heart, a strong heart to serve him, a strong heart to serve others. Amen. So <clears throat> I'd like to look today at uh, two texts, uh, Deuteronomy 26 and Deuteronomy 27. I goofed by thinking that tomorrow we'd have Deuteronomy 28, but what I'll do is I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll make the final notes um, so that you can uh, read Deuteronomy 28 on your own. and. I hope that you'd have uh, garnered the way that uh, one can read through the Old Testament. Instead of just shying away from the Old Testament, you can look at it through different lenses. So I would pray that uh, tomorrow, when you do have time, uh, you look at Deuteronomy 28. It's about blessings and curses. I think it's one of the most powerful scriptures in, 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 in the Bible yeah, that is both the New Testament and the Old Testament. A lot of references made to it by the New Testament uh, scholars and New Testament uh, uh, folks that lived uh, prior to uh, Christianity setting forth. So Deuteronomy 28 is, 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 is something that, that I would love that you uh, sort of engage with tomorrow on your own. Uh, using some of the tools that we may have uh, had and using some of the lenses that we may have used. And I, I know the first day someone uh, mentioned a few uh, other th lenses that we could look through scripture. Um, this is perhaps an opportunity for you to look at scripture through different lenses. You, you, you know yourself better than I do. And you know what is uh, uh, what will help you in your walk with God. So look through Deuteronomy 28 on your own through lenses that, uh, that you think would define a, a more healthy living as a Christian. So in the next slide, Deuteronomy 26, uh, it starts off with uh, first fruits. Um, and it's essentially about first fruits and tithes. And when it talks about first fruits, again, here is 
with Deuteronomy, it's speaking to an agrarian community. It's speaking to farmers. It's speaking to people that engage with uh, the natural uh, way of existence. That is the land, tilling of the land, looking after animals, looking after plants, and interacting with them in such a way that you not only care for them, but you also use them as food. And not only do you use them as food, uh, in this particular text, it talks about using these particular plants and um, animals as a way of saying thank you to God. So first fruits are usually what you actually got from the land. When you till the land and you got your apples, you dare not eat the first apple. It belongs to God. All right. You dare not take the first calf that comes from uh, the cow that you have uh, been breeding or looking after. Uh, it belongs to God. And surprise, surprise, there's also another portion of text, I believe it's in Deuteronomy somewhere, where the firstborn child actually belongs to God. Your firstborn child belongs to God. And when I stumbled upon that scripture, I, I can't remember where it is right now, but those of you who have Google will probably find that out quicker than I do. I told my mom, hey, wait a minute, mom. Am I not your child? She said, yes, but I'm just looking after you. You belong to God. And I said, if I belong to God, then I want to serve God, you know, in those wee wee days. And here I am serving God and loving it. There's nothing more beautiful than the first fruits or the firstborn son or the firstborn, whatever it is that you're looking at. So the instructions for bringing the first fruits and tithes, you know, those are very two distinct things. Um, I'll read the text. And it shall be when you come into the land, which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall go to the one who is priest in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. Now, there's a lot of uh, nuggets that we can glean from this. From the past, that's what happened. But in the present context, it's all to do with the fact that God has taken you out of servitude. God has taken you out of a place of uh, difficulty. Um, perhaps it could be employment. You know, you've been, you, know, you can remember the first job that you had where it's like, oh my goodness, I'll never pay my rent. I'll never do this. I'll never do that. I'll never do this. And then God gets you out of that sticky situation and provides a job for you. Or God takes you out of a, an enigma, a, a huge problem. Um, and, it, and it's usually a while before you get out of that enigma because God perhaps wants you to experience uh, what it is that captivity is all about. And then what it is that uh, freedom is all about. You can imagine the Israelites, um, when they're in servitude uh, in Egypt, uh, how much they had to endure, the hardships that they had to go through, the pain, the sorrow. Um, and then all of a sudden, God liberates them. 
But in between the liberation is a transition point. And here is the transition point where they've come to the land. And in this transition point, God tells them, you are to possess the land, meaning that you can't be scared of going into the land. And I remember on our farm, it was a fairly new farm with um, uh, pretty, you know, old trees. When I say old, I mean they weren't, um, they were part of the natural system. Uh, they weren't trees that were grown by humanity. And when I went there on our farm, it suddenly dawned upon me, my goodness, will I ever get all these things out of the way? How am I ever going to till the land? How am I ever going to get rid of the bushes around me? How am I ever going to get rid of these animals? Like at one point, I killed about 40 snakes on the farm just to clear the way so that I could live and enjoy with my family. That is my father and my mother and uh, 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 my siblings. And so you possess it and you dwell in it. And then you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the land. So in other words, it's, it's not just occupying the land. It's not just tilling the land. It's also being able to understand that when you get a fruit, first fruits, they actually belong to God. And scripture tells us that you set it down before the altar of the Lord, your God. And here I wrestle sometimes with the way that we uh, uh, present our first offerings. Um, do we actually set it at the altar of God? You know, when you receive uh, your first pay, if you will, do you set it before the altar of the Lord? Or do you just give it away? You know, I've given it over to the church and they, therefore the church will bless it. No, scripture is very distinct. It says the individual comes with whatever he has gotten or she has gotten and places it at the altar of the Lord. I understand that we're living in times where uh, with the, uh, the internet, we can make our donations, our first fruits online. So the question is, how do we navigate through this difficult task of trying to put it at the altar of the Lord? Well, you'll find very quickly that in Deuteronomy uh, 27, it talks about creating a special altar for God. You can have an altar of God at your own home. You can, you can have a distinct place where uh, you meet God. It could be a, a space where it's like, th this is a no-go zone for anybody else. This is my place of worship. This is my place where I offer to God my sacrifice. And so once you create that space, it becomes a place where you can actually uh, set down your offering before you actually give it over to the pastor, or, you know, online or whatever it is, okay? And that's just something to think about in terms of how do we resonate with the Old Testament in the New Testament context and the modern context as well. So when you get there, you have to offer words of thanks and praise at the giving of first fruits. It's not that you just take the money or whatever it is that you've gotten and just you know dump it at the altar and say, you God, here you are, uh, I'm done. No, no, no. You have to say something about what it is that you have received. Thank you, Lord, for the tears that I've gone through in terms of, of obtaining this. You may not have had the best of bosses, 
But just thank God that he was able to see you through that difficult time. You may not have had the best of um, uh, co-workers. You thank God, God that you were, you were able to go through that experience of working with difficult people. So when you give thanks and praise at the giving of first fruits, this is, uh, you know, this is what scripture says, you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, my father was a Syrian about to perish and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number and there he became a nation, great, mighty and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us afflicted us and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord God our, of our fathers and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with great terror and with signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and he has given us this land. Quote, unquote, a land flowing with milk and honey. Have you ever sat back and thanked God for the peace that we have in this country? In, in relation to other people's uh, countries? Have you ever thanked God for the milk and honey that you are able to drink? I know you may be <clears throat> lactose intolerant, but this is just a synonym for that. Have you ever given thanks to God in terms of the land or the space that he has created so that you can actually have a house, a place of dwelling, a place where you can have your own little flowers, a place where you can have little children running around you? Have you ever given thanks to God on that behalf? So that's the context in which when you are offering your first tithes, you, you yourself as an individual, not the pastor, not the priest, but you yourself have to give that thank, be that, that thankful before you actually hand it over to the priest. Or while you're handing it over to the priest, if, it, if that's the context which you're bedded in. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So in other words, there's a sequence of events that happen when you are offering your tithes and when you're offering your, uh, your first fruits. And so here in verses 12 to 15, we made mention of, of the prayer for the giving of the tithe. So when you're finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the, the year of tithing, all right? The third year was always the year of tithing, which is... Uh, another enigma in and of itself. The first two were devoted to uh, first fruits, and then the third year was the giving of the tithe. So when you're finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, and I've given it to the Levite, those are the priests, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also whole life of, of obedience. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. So um, just a quick snippet. When I was in high school, I, grew, I, I went to high school in, in the coastal province of Kenya, which is way, way far from where I, I, I was born. One of the things that I realized was that, uh, one, 
there was a shed devoted to, to, to travelers, like on the roadside, there was a, the fa farmers would put a shed where anybody who was a traveler, who was walking, could just uh, go in and eat the food without um, uh, like the mangoes or the fruits that were there, or, you know, and, and not have to worry about paying. So what the farmers did is an act that I'm seeing here in, in the Old Testament, where it's like when God gives you uh, a bounty full of harvest, not only do, do you take it to the, uh, the priests, the Levites, but you also offer it to the strangers, the people who are walking by the road. So you, you, you create a shed for them, and then you are able to provide food to them. And not only that, as a high school student, I realized that if I was hungry, I could dash into someone's farm, chew sugarcane or mangoes or whatever it is, but I was not allowed to walk away with anything from the farm. In other words, the farmer was to feed those who were helpless, those who were hungry, those who were destitute. So much as we offer tithe to people that, you know, to the, the Levites, we also to take care of people around us that are marginalized and in awkward positions. And then when you've done that, the blessings are, though it's few in number, you become a nation, you become great, you become mighty, you become populous. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land and then you can worship the Lord your God. And in verse uh, um, 11, it's, 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 it's like rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you. And then finally in this text, Moses exhorts to Israel a, a call to complete obedience. In other words, all that he has spoken, uh, that is Moses. He intends that this be a command. It's an order. You know, militarily, it's an order. You have to do it. When a, a commanding officer gives you an order, there is no choice. You have to do it. So this day, the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore, shall you be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. And obviously, Israel uh, responded in terms of, yes, we will honor God in, the, in that manner. We will obey God in that manner. And then Deuteronomy 27, uh, creating an altar of sacrifice uh, is um, creating a special altar. And uh, as I said before, earlier on, it's so important that we actually commanded to set up a special altar. Yes, there was an altar for the Levites. Yes, there was an altar where everybody else congregated, but you have to have your own special altar of sacrifice. Uh, a special altar where you set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. That was the context which they embedded in. In other words, some of them met outside and said, my altar will be outside, outdoors. And so that's where they would meet their God because perhaps inside all the tents that they lived in were not conducive for them to have altars. But for us, it, it's like, well, where's the land? I can't really create that. So my suggestion is perhaps we may want to create an altar in the basement or a place where you don't have many visitors or a place where you have you won't have much intera interactions with other people. And within this uh, framework of um, whitewashed uh, stones, 
There you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings and you shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write very plainly on all the stones, uh, all the words of this law. In other words, that place of worship was a place where you are supposed to write the word of God so that you remind yourself of the word of God. And that's what, in other words, it's just not an empty space. It's a place where you see the word of God. There's text there that reminds you of the goodness of God. And you can change the text depending on how you are in that context of the day. Or you can leave it as it is. Maybe that, that's your guiding scripture for your lifetime. But for heaven's sake, write a text or get a text that will remind you about God in that space that you have created for God. And don't use an iron tool on them. In other words, don't mix things up. You know, don't put secular things around where godliness is. Don't put things that are not uh, the word of God. You know, you know, they may be words of people, but not words of God. Right. So you stay within the realms of the word of God. So this day you have become the people of the Lord, your God. In other words, when all this has happened, then you become the people of God. And then he, uh, Moses offers a command to announce the, uh, uh, the curses from Mount Ebal in verses 11 to 13 which is the divisions of the tribes between the two mountains. And Moses commanded the people on the same day saying, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you have crossed over the Jordan. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph and Benjamin, and these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulon, Dan, and Naphtali. Now this is fairly dramatic. And this dramatic scene, you actually evidence it in Joshua chapter 8, from verses 32 to 35. And during, during Joshua's time, it happened after a bitter defeat, that there was, there was repentance and recovery at Ai, which is in Joshua chapter 7 and 8. And after the victory at Ai, Joshua wanted to do everything he could to walk in obedience. So he led the nation in obedience to this command in Deuteronomy 27. So in this, Joshua was showing himself, and notice the word Joshua is synonymous to the word Yeshua, which is Jesus, our Savior. So in this, Joshua was showing himself to be a man of the book, and Israel, a people of the book. They would order their lives after God's word. So this was done even at some cost or inconvenience. And the rest of the chapter declares the curses. But where is the declaration of blessings? The absence of, of a list of blessings may simply mean that they were omitted since they would have corresponded with the curses, except that they were, ne they were ne negative, negatively turned uh, against people. So th those who were blessed did not offend in the areas in which those who cursed it. And when they're declaring the curses, cursed is the man who makes a carved, oh, that, now we're in uh, 14 to 26 of chapter 27. Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in a secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed is the man 
or the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt? And the people said, Amen. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark. And the people say, Amen. Cursed is the one who makes the blind to wander off the road. And the people said, Amen. Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due to uh, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And the people said, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's bed. And all the people said, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal. Cursed is the one who lies with his sister. Cursed is the one who lies with his mother-in-law. Cursed is the one who attacks his neighbor secretly. Cursed is the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person. Cursed is the one who does not conform all the words of this law. And the Levites said with a loud voice, Amen. And so the chapter continues with those curses. But then in Deuteronomy 28, uh, things have flipped a little bit. Uh, it's no longer curses. You suddenly see that there are also blessings. You know, uh, like there's a combination of blessings and curses, where in Deuteronomy 28, there are blessings on obedience. Um, if you obey, this is what you get. So I'll leave that analysis of Deuteronomy 28 in terms of determining what are God's blessings? Um, what does he... What, what does God do to me if I do something good? Uh, it, it, they, they highlight a whole lot of things. Uh, so take time tomorrow morning, if you can, or whenever you're able to do so, to look at Deuteronomy 28 and really dig into it in terms of well, what are God's blessings and what are God's curses? So if you set up two columns or two pages, one listed blessings, another one listed curses, and then see for yourself what it is that God is actually telling the Israelites. And what is God speaking to you within that con context of speaking to the, the Israelites? All right, so c'est tout pour moi. Thank you for joining us today. A heartstrong disciple of Jesus is one who has been saved by grace and is becoming more like Jesus by abiding in him, learning how Jesus lived, and following in his ways. One of the ways we are helping you become heartstrong is through the monthly training plan, which breaks down how you can practice and develop your spiritual disciplines. Each month, you will find the theme and the focus for the month, a scripture to memorize, a fasting and a Sabbath practice, all of your Bible study, events, and schedules and links, questions for personal reflection, and additional recommended content for the weekend. Of course, you have to be a HeartStrong member to access this awesome resource. So visit heartstrong.life and click membership to join. Let's become HeartStrong disciples together. One, two,